Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to a whole new episode of Full Seam Ahead. I'm your host, Zoe. I'll be on the mic for today. As Usually I have my co-host, Mr. Cantu, with me, but uh, just want to send a congrats to the Cantus and Angel Cantu himself, his family out there uh, for his baby boy. So congrats, bro. We'll have you on the show sometime. But for now, let's talk about this show right here, episode 126. We're going to tell it Javier Throws 6. Christian Javier, that's probably... probably and honestly, the only great thing about this series against the New York Yankees, Astros were swept at home by the New York Yankees. Uh, that's happened for not for the first time, but I mean, the Yankees haven't done it since 2013. The Astros record had moved on to 77 and 61. They are now in third place behind the Texas Rangers. And currently, as we look at the updates on the AOS standings, you got first Seattle Mariners with 77-59. The Texas Rangers 76 and 60, and the Houston Astros 77 and 61. One word to describe the series. Usually we ask that to Angel, but I'm going to ask it. I mean, I'm going to answer it for today. And th that series against the New York Yankees was bad. I mean, just from offense to pitching to everything from it. I mean, even the decision making, I'd say from Dusty Baker, in my opinion. Um, with John Singleton pitch hitting instead of letting Chaz McCormick hit in that situation in game two. Um, you know, that he's the he's the manager for a reason. He does make the calls. Would have what have I gone with John Singleton? I don't know. Me personally, I think I would have let Chaz in uh do that bat, but of course I'm I'm right here giving y'all the scoop and Dusty Baker's managing the Houston Nationals. So that, that's just two different opinions on that, but just bad. Baseball from the Astros at home, especially at Minute Maid Park. It wasn't just it wasn't Astros baseball, I believe. Uh, they were on a five-game winning streak. They had a great road trip going to Detroit, taking two from them, going to Boston at Fenway, putting great offensive numbers on the board and sweeping the Red Sox at Fenway Park. Then you come back home against the New York Yankees, which the Yankees have not been playing well this season, but Astros just can't play against under 500 winning percentage teams. It's it's always been like that. For some reason, even last season, it was like that. The Astros just couldn't get nothing going against the Yankees. The first game, I believe it was 6-2. Second game, 5-4. Third game, 6-1. Uh, so offense just wasn't there. I mean, starting on the first game, Altuve hitting a ball off his shin, didn't play the second game. Uh, but even Altuve out, we, we had talked about in our last episode, Carlos Rodon pitches very well against the Houston Astros, mm -hmm. and he did pretty good against them in his start. Same thing as Luis Severino. We talked about Severino in his last two starts. He hasn't allowed an earned run since August 15. Um, I mean, he did allow some runs, but he did pitch pretty decent for the Yankees. And then Michael King, on the other hand, for the Yanks. Uh, that guy is a, usually a reliever in that Yankees bullpen, but the Yankees have been stretching him out as a starter, and the Astros' offense could not get anything going against that team. Uh, just the Yankees in general in this series. Um Jason Dominguez, the uh, the Yankees' number one prospect in their farm system, did a great job against the Astros. Um, in his first at-bat, going against Justin Verlander, he took him to the opposite field in the Crawford boxes, getting his first home run of his career. And then the last game of the series against Christian Javier, slider just did not break and was just right down the middle. Dominguez hit it to right. And next thing you know, the Yankees are up 3-1. They'll go ahead and win that game and finish the series on a good note for them. So it'd be interesting to see what the Yankees are going to do now. Um, 
you know, in the month of September, they're I believe they're eight games back of the wild card. Jason Dominguez kind of gone little fire in that team. Same thing as Austin Wells. He caught a pretty good game for Carlos Rodon, uh, Luis Severino, and Michael King. So it'll be interesting what to see the future of the Yankees. I mean, they have a lot of young players on that team. Uh, I believe they started five players in a long time. I I don't know the year in the top of my head, but that that team's going to be young. If they continue to keep the team that they have, then they, they could be good for next year. But no one wants to hear about that. The Astros just overall just offense was not clicking all cylinders. Altuve wasn't hitting. The only thing I could say was Michael Brownlee coming back into Houston and play on Minime Park surface. And he hit the ball pretty well. Well, we'll talk about him in a minute. And then um, Yonder Diaz. Yonder Diaz continues to hit the ball really well at the juice box. Just got to see if Dusty Baker is going to let him play a little bit more games. And then the scary moment on ESPN, if y'all did not see it on Sunday Night Baseball, Jordan Alvarez was going after a ball in the gap off of DJ LeMayhew's double. Um, he slid on the dirt, and it was just an awkward, awkward um, a slide, and his knees kind of buckled. It just looked bad. If, if you haven't seen it, go on social media. I'm pretty sure it's on there. But – Let's start out with our shout outs. There, there wasn't really a lot to shout out about this series, but I mean, Michael Brantley, let's start off with him. You got to give him credit. Um, he, he did really well in the first game. He came in Minute Maid Park. Second game went over, but two for seven in the series. That's a 286 batting average. One home run, two RBIs. His last home run was in June 17, 2022. Last home run. And of course, in, in Sugarland. I believe the second rehab game or the first rehab game, he had a home run. And next thing you know, he, he's a power hitter. But <laughs> Michael Brantley being able to hit a home run at Minute Maid Park in his first at-bat, that was pretty special to see. Yiner Diaz is the second shout-out. Four for eight with a 500 batting average, one home run, two RBIs. Like I said, that third game he didn't start, but he did come in a pitch hit situation, hitting a, I guess you could say a little bloop behind second base into right field. He had runners on first and second for Jose Altuve, but Altuve couldn't get nothing going. Um, even for Altuve, we'll have to talk about him in a minute. But our last shout-out before we move on is Mr. Christian Javier. Like I said, this title is Javier Throw 6. We got to talk about him because this guy hasn't been going through six-inning ball in a while. I mean, he looked good after five. Even the six-inning, you could really say he looked good. Uh, just the, it looked like the command was kind of getting into him. His, he was starting to look a little fatigue on the mound. But, I mean, give credit where it's due. He did pitch really well. I think he was at 60-something pitches in the fifth and when he was getting to the seventh. Uh, not the seven, the six. He was getting to that seven inning, uh, 70 pitch mark, 80 pitch mark, and then it eventually it got into the 90s. But I mean, let's, let's talk about his stat line real quick six innings, five hits, three earned runs, zero walks, eight strikeouts. That's not a bad stat line. You you just tip your cap to the other player. Jason Dominguez, a 20 year old, especially. I mean, the hype is real about him. Um, like I said, Christian Javier just threw a slider that just did not break, it was just flat right down the middle. And a player like Dominguez's caliber, that's the number one prospect in the farm system for a reason, turned on it, took it to right field, and gave the Yankees that 3-1 lead. Um, but other than that, I mean, the last time Christian Javier had pitched through six innings, you got to go back to July 28 against the Tampa Bay Rays at home. And another quick stat here, too, I want to say, in the first half of this season, Javier threw nine games 
of six plus innings. Okay, nine games through six plus innings, and the second half of this season, going right now that we're in, that the Astros are in September, he has only thrown two games through six. That was one being July twenty eighth, and the second one being on September third on Sunday Night Baseball. Like I said, you you got to give credit to Javier because the Astros hasn't haven't really gotten nothing from him. It's it's been a while since I think fans and even coaching staff looking at Javier had seen six inning ball from Christian Javier himself. So what do you think about it? Can it help him in the in the late run? You're hoping it does, honestly, because the Astros started rotation. You saw how Verlander started against the Yankees. Honestly, I didn't even expect he was going to get lit up like that, and he did. Uh, it happens. Just tip your cap. Hunter Brown, and I've said this before, and for the number three or number four spot, if the Astros get to the postseason, that's going to be a big question mark if Hunter Brown's going to be in that starting rotation. Command was just not there for him. He had walked four or five through two or three innings, I believe. It just didn't look really comfortable on the mound for Mr. Diesel himself. But seeing Christian Javier in the starting rotation end it, in this series, it looked very promising. It just Astro fans and just even the coaching staff hopes that Javier can continue on this success of this game. If can it go through because the Astros are going to really need him, especially to save that bullpen at the end, save those arms because they've been taxed all season. That's that's been like the number one topic of our show sometimes is the bullpen being taxed, being used for so many games. But we'll give you that over under on that as I believe we had the 12 inning mark. If the bullpen would be used for 12 innings, uh, we'll, we'll give that number in a minute. But other than that, after the shout outs, we got the preview. The preview of the Texas Rangers. The Southern Oklahoma Texas Rangers. Arlington, Texas themselves. Um, the Rangers themselves, they just haven't been hot lately. It's been very, very roller coaster for them in their season. I mean, the first half, the first, even the second, beginning of the second half too, they were they were hitting the ball really well. They were playing great baseball, but they, they're kind of in a stretch right now that they're trying to find a way to make the playoffs just like the Astros, just like the Mariners. But they're 76 and 60. They are third in the AL West. Four and six in their last 10 games. Lost the series against Minnesota, but a walk-off home run from Adolis Garcia to win the series finale, you know that has to give confidence to a team. And Garcia did that. I mean, Garcia hit the ball really well, second deck. If you look at the replay, um, he's looking at the sky, kind of thinking, like, thank God that this had happened because he, he man, I think that game he was just 0 for 4 for 4 strikeouts. That, that's pretty bad. That's the golden sombrero in baseball terms because – Something like that happens. I mean, you're down as a as a baseball player. You're down. You're trying to figure out what to do. You're you're going into the box mentally like drained already. So big, big, big confidence booster for the Rangers after that game. Uh, the biggest thing in this series, the Rangers have the best home record in the American League with a 43-26 record. The Astros, on the other hand, have the second best record away. With, if I could have the number here because I did, 42 and 27. Astros are 35 and 34 at home after that series sweep against the Yankees. So think about it now. Do you want the Astros to clinch that number two seed? If they do, 
win the division? Or do you feel comfortable with the Astros maybe playing in one of their wild card games and playing away from Minute Maid Park and playing at someone else's turf? That, that's a big head scratcher right there. Um, they, they've done pretty well away from Minute Maid Park. Like, like I said before, uh, on, the, on the road trip recently, they were 5-1. and one. They swept Boston at Fenway, uh, which Fenway Park's a really great environment for baseball fans to go to and even a brutal environment for opposing teams. So just got to think about that, but it'll be an interesting series. The Astros went to Arlington last time and took three of four from there at Globe Life Field. But let's get to that matchups and Monday. We got a 3.05 start time because it is Labor Day. JP France will be on the mound for the Astros with a 10-5 record, 3.49 ERA. He'll be going against Andrew Heaney, 9-6 with a 4.16 ERA. JP France. We've talked a lot about him because he has been a savior for this rotation of the Astros. I mean, he's done really great being in that number three, number four, wherever you want to put him in the rotation. He's done really well as a starting pitcher. His last start at Boston, five and two thirds, five hits, two earned runs, one walk, three strikeouts. His last outing versus Texas at home. It just got it just gets even better. Seven innings, five hits, one run, zero of them being earned, two walks three strikeouts. The Astros are really going to need this game from JP France. And this is probably one of the best guys to do it on the road, especially his road numbers are crazy good. Six and two with a two Oh four ERA. But the downside about JP France, when it is a day game, which this game will be in the day three Oh five. He has a record of two and one, but an ERA of a six point. 57 6.57 era during the day well globe life field is kind of a little night if you could say since it is inside it is indoors uh lights will be on so maybe <laughs> jp friends could maybe think of it as a night game but if you're the astros and just Astros fans in general, you got to feel confident about JP France going on the mound, uh, especially with the splits uh, from home and away. Being away from Minute Maid Park, he pitches very well with that 6-2 and 2-0-4 ERA. But it doesn't get better and doesn't really get easier for the Astros lineup. They're going against Andrew Heaney. His last outing at Tampa Bay, four and two-thirds, four hits, two and runs, two walks, seven strikeouts. Um, they, I mean, this guy's been really great for the Rangers, at least at least against the Houston Astros. He has pitched very well against Houston this year. In three games he has started, he is 1-0 with a 180 ERA with 15 strikeouts. All three games he has gone five innings. He has gone five innings. I mean, that, that's pretty crazy. All three games, he has only gone five innings against the Astros. And then doesn't get better for this offense either. Two of those starts were with zero earned runs. Zero. Not even one run scored. Zero earned runs. So he's had the Astros number this whole year uh, pitching for the Rangers. I mean, it happens, but at the same time, too, the Astros are going to have to find a way to break that number, make that ERA go up, get Andrew Heaney out of his comfort zone, especially at home. With I mean, the environment over there in Texas, I'm pretty sure is going to be up and going because the Rangers are fighting for a playoff spot and they're trying to get to the division just like the Astros. So very interesting pitching matchup right there. Tuesday, the Astros have yet to say who will be on the mound, but it is a 7.05 start time. And if I had to predict, 
it would be Framer Valdez on the mound for the Astros. And if it is, he is for an A with a 664 ERA. Same thing as the Rangers. The Rangers don't know who they're going to go with. Uh, reports from their MLB uh, beat reporter, I believe her name is Kennedy uh, Landry. She doesn't know. Uh, she hasn't. I haven't seen anything on social media showing which who's going to go. But on another tweet that I have seen on social media, it's looking like Nathan Uvalde which the Astros have seen a lot from his times being with Boston and now playing with Texas. Um, so there's a there's a possibility right there that Uvalde's going to get the start, but his record, 11-3 and three with a 269 ERA. Wow. That game right there is going to be a great pitching matchup. Framber Valdez, of course, at the time was going for that Cy Young Award last year. Top five Cy Young candidate. Nathan Uvalde, on the other hand, I mean, he's pitched really well. Look at that ERA, 269. So let's start with Framber Valdez real quick, though. His last outing at Boston, six innings, five hits, two earned runs, zero walks, five strikeouts. He looked very well in that game. He, he was cruising through three. I believe he had, like, he was still scoreless of no-hit ball in three innings. And then later on, Justin Turner hit that bloop single, um, and then that happened. But two earned runs in six innings, that, that you got to, you know, pat, your, uh, pat yourself on the back. So zero walks, five strikeouts. Uh, but his last start versus Texas, this was probably one of the worst starts of his career, I would say. But three and, three and two-thirds, eight hits, six earned runs, two walks, one strikeout. Like I said, it could be one of his worst starts of his career. But this season – itself it was the worst start he has pitched uh if you remember tempers flare between him and mark simeon adolis garcia uh kind of goes up and in on nathaniel Lowe. tempers flare bench is clear you know how everything went in that game uh marcus simeon trying to get framber valdez out of his groove so the important thing here for this matchup against the rangers is framber valdez having to be mentally tough if he is not mentally tough if he lets the rangers opposing uh, players get to his head, then there's going to be an early exit just like that one against the Rangers like last time, three and two-thirds. I mean, the Astros are going to really need him in this game to go longer, especially with the bullpen that the Astros have, which they're, they're nails, but at the same time, too, you want to rest those arms for, um, you know, to give them an extra breather day because Thursday will be an off day for the Astros. Uh, but a positive thing about Framer Valdez, his last two starts, he's looked great. Uh, 13 innings pitch, five hits, two earned runs, five walks, 11 strikeouts. You want to know why he's doing so good? It's because of those orange jerseys. Could it be the orange jerseys? I don't know. Uh, he he does still enjoy wearing them navy blue alternate jerseys of the Tequila Sunrise colors on the side. But orange has been where it's at, especially with the orange brim hat. If you haven't seen the navy blue with the orange brim on the hat, that's been kind of the go-to right now. He will be away, so I'm pretty sure there could be a possibility that we'll be seeing those colors with the gray pants as well. So very important for Fernando Valdez to be mentally tough in this matchup against the Rangers. And the Astros offense, on the other hand, they're going to have to go against Nathan Ubaldi. I mean, they've seen him, like I said, they've seen him from Boston, being with Texas now, um, I mean, you've seen this guy numerous times, but his last outing versus Tampa Bay, six innings, two hits, zero earned runs, three walks, two strikeouts. His last start versus Houston, seven innings, two hits, zero earned runs, four walks, five strikeouts. Seven innings of two-hit ball. That is very, very great. Excellent. 
well for the Texas Rangers, um, especially after hearing about Andrew Heating doing well against the Astros and then listening to that stat against Houston. Um, it looks very promising for the Rangers in this series. But on the other hand, he just came back from injury. Like I said, they didn't know who they're going to go with, uh, either Nathan Uvaldi, because he is returning from the IL. Um, he, he This is his first time being back if he does start since July 18. He just threw a, a bullpen recently at home at Globe Life Field. So if he does pitch in this game against the Astros, it'll be the first time since July 18. And then I believe personally, you're more than likely you're going to see a pitch count on him, maybe 50 pitches, maybe 60, 70 pitches. You'll just have to see about that. I highly doubt he'll go 80 and 90 as if I'm Bruce Bochy, I would want to save that arm and just be very cautious because if the Astros, I mean, the Rangers are trying to make it to the postseason, they're going to need his arm um, being on the bump. So it'll be interesting to see what they're doing because, too, the Rangers bullpen have has not been doing too well for them in the last couple of games. So be interested what Bruce Bochy does right there. And then Wednesday, I think this is the primetime game everybody wants to see. I don't know if it's on national TV. Uh, for sure, it'll be on AT&T Sportsnet. But Wednesday, you have a 7.05 start time. It is Justin Verlander on the mound for the Astros. He is 10-7 and seven with a 3.34 ERA. It says TBD again. But if you look at Friday, who the Rangers face, which was the Minnesota Twins, and who was starting that game, it was Max Scherzer. So there is a great possibility that we are going to see two former Mets starting pitchers, number one and number two of that rotation with New York, being on the bump against each other for the first time after the trade deadline, uh, with Max Scherzer being 12 and 5 with a 355 ERA. Uh, Justin Verlander, everybody know he's been doing really well against uh, after getting traded to the Astros. Uh, I even had mentioned about his stat being with the Astros ever since that trade has happened. But the Yankees had other plans. They they hit him pretty hard. Uh, his last outing against New York, six innings, eight hits, six earned runs, one walk, three strikeouts. That, that is very tough to hear if you're a Nationals fan because when you think of Jay, when you think of JV, I mean he's been very dominant in an Astros uniform. But it happens. Hasn't faced the Rangers this year, but he has faced the Rangers. Along the years playing with the Astros, uh, as an Astro with 15 starts and going to 17 all the way to 2022, he is 10 and 2 with a 2.15 ERA, 120 strikeouts. JV at a time had seven consecutive wins in a row from 2019 to 2022 before getting the no decision and last start in an Astros uniform in 2022. So you got to feel very promising if you're in the Houston Astros fan about hearing Justin Verlander's stat line against Ejectus Rangers as well. But at the same time, too, he did get roughed up his last outing. I'm pretty sure Justin Verlander is looking at his at the tape, and he's probably talking with Maldonado what they need to change around there. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see what JV does in his next match against the Texas Rangers. But Max Scherzer, Mad Max, one of the best pitchers in baseball. I'm, I'm pretty sure he'll be a future Hall of Famer. Astros have seen him when he was with the Nationals in that World Series, even before that as well. But now he is a Texas Ranger. He'll probably play with them for another two years, just like JV. His last outing versus Minnesota was good. They didn't lose that game, but he did pitch a very great game. Six innings, one hit, zero earned runs, two walks, and strikeouts. His last start at Houston when he was a New York Met, eight innings, 
four hits, one earned run, one walk, eight strikeouts. I mean, mad that's Mad Max numbers if you really think and look at that stat line against the Astros and just even pitching overall. I mean, this guy's a two-time uh, Cy Young Award winner for a reason. He pitches very well. Uh, but since being traded to the Texas Rangers, too, he's been very dominant wearing that baby blue or royal blue or the home white that they usually wear or or that City Connect. I mean, I don't know what that City Connect represents. Of course, I'm a Houstonian. I'm not, not from Dallas or Arlington. They have the whole story about that. But since being traded to the Texas Rangers, I mean, he holds a 3-1 record with a 221 ERA and the opponent batting average of 150. An opponent batting average of 150. That is a Mad Max number. That is Max Scherzer in his Cy Young year. So the Astros offense through this series, I mean, because it's going to be a great series. It's going to be a, I believe it'll be a pitching series. JP France, Framber Valdez, Justin Verlander. Them three starters have been probably your best starters in this road. They probably are the three best starters in the Astros starting rotation. And then you got the Texas Rangers. Their starting rotation, if you take out, I mean, Jordan Montgomery's having a great year. John Gray's having a great year. But Andrew Heaney, we just talked about his numbers against the Astros, which is really well. Nathan Uvalde, he's coming back from the IEL. He probably will be on a pitch count. But you know he's going to be ecstatic to be back on that mound for the very first time since July 18. And then Max Scherzer. He's pitched very well in a Texas Rangers uniform. He's going to do everything possible to get that Ranger win in the series finale of this Silver Boot series. So it'd be interesting to see. The Astros just need one win to claim the Silver Boot, but I think they've won bigger things than that. So just have to see. It's going to be a great series. Two divisional opponents. This will be the last time the Houston Astros face the Texas Rangers. The interesting part here, when it comes to the last part of the month, September, the Rangers and the Mariners will play seven of their last 10 games at Arlington and at Seattle. So the Astros got to win these games right here. Uh, it was brutal not to win that series against the New York Yankees, but you have a chance to do it against your rival, the Texas Rangers, and take the series win. You just have to see what happens. So let's move on with our offensive pitching MVPs and our hot take. I'll, I'll read Angels just for the heck of it. Uh, he had Kyle Tucker, Christian Javier, and his hot take was the Astros sweep the Yankees. Well, I can say he went probably one for three right there. Tucker did have two RBIs, but it wasn't a pretty good homestand for him. Christian Javier is probably the only one you could really take away from this. And then obviously the Astros sweep the Yankees. That did not happen. <laughs> the Yankees swept the Astros. So I think Angel had that flipped. Uh, me, on the other hand, I had Jose Altuve. After that first game, you didn't see him. And then the third game, um, I mean, man, it was brutal to see him. 0 for 4, three strikeouts. Uh, and there's one of the one of the at-bats, he hits it back to the pitcher for a double play, which it could have had a rally start for the Astros, but just didn't happen. Brian Abreu, I say he did come in one inning of an important, an important game, and I think it was game two. Uh, he did really well against that, so I think that's the only one I could say. And then I said for my hot take, Astros continue. They're scorching offense at home and score four runs every game. I mean, that did not happen. No, we'll, we'll just say it right there. One run and two runs and four runs. There was only one time they scored four, but I believe I said five, not four, but, it, you know, it happens. It's baseball, so we'll, we'll just have to see about that. So it's a new week. It's Monday, magnificent Monday. Yeah, terrific Tuesday, and then you have, what, you could, you could say humpback Wednesday, but humpback doesn't have, I mean, the H is 
not a W. So other than that, I mean, I got Chaz McCormick as my offensive MVP. Uh, I really would have loved to see Chaz in this series a little bit more against the Yankees, um, especially what he did in the ALCS last year in the postseason for the Astros against the Yanks. But it happens. So hopefully McCormick gives him a little bit of motivation and he goes over there to Globe Life Field and puts on a offensive sh- uh, surge. I'll read the numbers in a minute on our next segment, but I have him as my offensive MVP. JP France, the stash himself. Uh, I read the number six and two on the road, carries a 204 ERA. He is a road warrior for a reason. He's going to be the guy that sets the tone in that first game, and hopefully, he does do it for the Astros because the Astros are really going to need it. They can't afford to go backwards and be on a four game losing streak, especially to their divisional rival in the Texas Rangers. So uh, not Ty France. <laughs> JP France is going to be the most important guy to, you know, start that series off on a great start. And then my hot take. Astros take the silver boot. That is one game right there. The Astros, like I said, just need one game to claim the silver boot and take it back to Houston, which it's been in Houston for a good while. But the next one I have, you know, the little caviar I wanted to put on here is, or the caveat I meant, they take the silver boot in Arlington, and I believe they'll take the series in Arlington as well. Um, like I said, I've read the numbers. The Rangers do have a great home record, but right now how they're playing is not the Rangers baseball that they were in the first half of the season. They've been kind of going down, diminishing and things like that. But the Astros, on the other hand, they have the second best American League road um, record so I, I'll, I'll say that uh, to that, I'll, I'll put that on my hot take because I do believe the Astros, when it comes to being, you know, their backs against the walls, they'll do anything to be back on top. And it's going to be very important for them to do it against the Texas Rangers. So that is our offensive pitching and hot take of the MVPs and things like that. The new segment, which it's not really a new segment. It is our old segment. We used to say, who did we want to see do good? Who do we need to see do good and who you don't want to see? If my boy Will is listening out here, this is the segment we're bringing back for this uh, for this episode, at least. Um, so let, let's start it off. Who who do you want to see in this series get hot? Who do you want to see in this series step up in a clutch moment? Well, for me, I must need to see or not even really need to see. I want to see. Yiner Diaz and Chaz McCormick play at least two of these three games of this series. I think the offense is going to be very crucial because the Rangers have one of the best offenses in baseball. There is no, no secret about it. They are one of the best offensives, not just in the American League, but in baseball itself. Um, Marcus Simeon has been a little cold lately, but you got Corey Seager, Nathaniel Lowe winning a silver slugger last year. They're, they're, the number one offense, I don't know if they're number one right now, but they are the top offense in the American League and in Major League Baseball. So I would love to see Dusty Baker kind of give Yiner Diaz more at-bats. Yiner finished 500 in this series against the Yankees, four for eight, a home run and two RBIs. You got to give that man some more playing time. And then Chaz McCormick on the other hand as well. I think that left a sour taste in his mouth. If it didn't, you know, by all means, it didn't. But Honestly, Chaz McCormick should have been hitting in that position. Like I said, I'm not making the decisions. Dusty Baker is. Um, he probably had a better understanding than I did or any of the Astros fans did because I'm pretty sure a lot of Astro fans out there were disappointed into seeing that role. But 
It happens. It is baseball. Let's talk about Elinor Diaz real quick, though. His last seven games, I mean, it hasn't been pretty. It's 231, 310, 462. The 462 is the biggest number right there. That's his slugging percentage. Six hits, two home runs, five RBIs, three walks, four strikeouts. Yeah, bad batting average, 231. But look at that. Dri driving in five RBIs in the last seven games, two home runs as well. Now, that's very, pretty promising. The, just in the regular season himself, he's having a good one. 282 batting average. His OPS is over 800, 837 with a 124 WRC plus. That is, we, we talked about in our last episode too, that this is one of the best hitters, and really not even hitters, but catchers in the game. And he is not playing a lot of games like an Ali Rutchinson or a Sean Murphy or a Will Smith. And he is playing among those players and having a great WRC plus with 124. The interesting thing here is the Rangers are going to be throwing two right-handed starting pitchers, being Max Scherzer and Nathan Uvalde. Them are two power pitchers right there going for the Texas Rangers. So you got to counter that some way, somehow. In 86 games with the Iron Diaz facing right-handed pitchers, he is 314 with 18 home runs, 45 RBIs, 72 hits, 40 singles, 14 doubles. It's going to be very important for him to be in this lineup because, like I said, and I'm going to say it again, offense is going to be the key to this game. Yes, the pitching matchups, it's going to look like a pitcher's doing each game, but at the same time, too, something has to give, and the offense is going to be right there. I believe uh, Dusty Baker is going to have to find a way to put Yiner Diaz, either catch two of those games, put him in a DH spot for once, just have to see what happens right there. And then, like I said, Chas McCormick, he's had a good season. Probably one of the best seasons in his, I believe this is his third career in Major League Baseball. This season, 281. He has an 874 OPS and a 141 WRC+. plus. That is one of the best numbers you can have for a WRC+. plus. If it's over 100 because that's MLB average, that's good. But going over 100, that's, you know, saying best kind of thing. So that's kind of right there. Against the Rangers this year itself, though. In six games, he is batting 391. He has two doubles, a triple, two home runs, 12 RBIs. 12 RBIs, two walks, one strikeout. I mean, uh, one stolen base. He does have a couple of strikeouts in those games, but this guy makes contact. He has two home runs. He has a two doubles. He has a triple. 12 RBIs is the biggest number on that board of that stat line about Chas McCormick against the Rangers. You're going to have to find a way to put him in this lineup. And, you know, by all means, I understand Justin Verlander prefers Mauricio Dubon being the center fielder. His, I don't know if it's his preferred center fielder, but if you look at the games where Justin Verlander is pitching, Mauricio Dubon's been the guy in center field. For this game, I believe Chaz McCormick has to be playing center field. No given reason why he shouldn't be playing. This guy has a, a OPS over 800. He's hitting the ball very well this season. Fastball especially, slider especially. He's made adjustments that he did not do last year to this year. Ever since not being in the starting uh, lineup in that first game, opening up on opening day, Chas McCormick has just been a different player. In five of those six games against the Rangers, he had multi-hit games. I believe it's going to be very important for Dusty Baker to have Chas McCormick in the game, or really in all these three games, but Chas McCormick needs to play two of them at least. Next up, we got the need to see. What do you need to see 
from the Astros lineup? What do you need to see from the Astros rotation? What do you need to see from the Astros team itself? I'm going to say Kyle Tucker. Kyle Tucker didn't have a good, I wouldn't say he had a good series against the Yankees, but against the Texas Rangers, he performs very well against them. He has a 419 batting average. He has 13 hits, three home runs, seven RBIs uh, at Globe Life Field this season. The man is hitting the ball very hard. He is seven for 12 with two home runs, one of them being a grand slam, and six RBIs. This guy loves playing at Globe Life Field. It isn't Minute Maid Park, but it's almost kind of similar to, uh, to the Juice Box. But he's been on a tear being at Globe Life Field. Do I expect it to continue there? Well, we don't know. That's why we need to see Kyle Tucker continue this excellent run that he's having at Globe Life Field in this series against the Rangers. His last seven games, he's 296 batting average, 424 on base percentage, uh, 8 for 27 with a home run, 3 RBI, 6 walks. If Tuck finds a way to get on base, obviously you're probably going to see him try to steal one of those bases. He's still trying to reach the 30-30 mark. Hasn't happened since Jeff Bagwell did it in 1997. So best believe that Kyle Tucker is going to find a way to get on base, either through a walk. I mean, the on-base percentage is pretty strong, 424 right there. Uh, that's with the walk. That's with the hit by pitch. That's with a hit, a ground, uh, a fielder's choice. Some way, somehow, he's going to find a way to get on. And I think it's a great chance for him to continue his excellence and his success at Globe Life Field against the Texas Rangers. The next one, I would say, it's not a big one, like I was saying about Kyle Tucker, but the next one, it's kind of a mini one I would need to see. I need to see Jose Altuve go. Um, obviously, that first game, he did foul a pitch off his shin. After that one at-bat, he didn't play the rest of the game. Second game, he didn't play. Third game, he went 0-4 with three strikeouts. Is he comfortable in that shin guard? I don't know. It, it could be some uncomfortable, you know, some type of way that he's not feeling the Jose Altuve that he usually is. He even said it on the broadcast when he was talking in the third inning on ESPN that he doesn't really like to use the shin guard, but his team kind of not makes him, but tries to protect him and lets him know, hey, you really need this because we're really going to need you on this stretch going into the postseason. Uh, like I said, over five against the Yankees this series, three strikeouts. He's going to have to find a way to be comfortable with that shin guard. I don't know if it's because of that, that he went 0 for 4 with three strikeouts in that last game, but it could be a possibility at the same time too. He just needs to get comfortable at the plate against the Rangers themselves. He's done pretty well against them in their in his career, but at the same time, Altuve is hitting under 300 in the last seven games. He's going to have to try to catch high because like we said before, if Altuve goes, this whole Astros team, Rose with him. So very important for little Hianta to get anything started some way, somehow, either with a leadoff double, leadoff home run, some way, somehow, Jose Haltuve needs to get going. Finally, don't want to see. Who do you not want to see in this matchup against the Rangers? Is there a specific player you do not want to see? Is there a specific starting pitcher, a specific bullpen player you don't want to see? Who do you not want to see in this matchup against the series catch, you know, pretty hot? And the first one I'm going to say is Mitch Garver. Yeah, I'm starting off with the, the catcher from the Texas Rangers. Uh, usually he could be a DH2 with him and Jonah Heim sharing the splits. But Mitch Garver, his last seven games have been raking. 333 slash line 467, 833 slugging. 
833 slugging. That is incredible to, you know, say that out of my mouth. Four home runs. And that's even more crazier. Four home runs, six RBIs, six walks, six strikeouts. In his last seven games, four home runs. That's almost a home run in each game instead of the last three games. It's crazy. But another thing, too, he has seven home runs in his last 14 games. The man is finding his power. At the time, he was hitting the ball very well for the Minnesota Twins and his days in his days in the Twins uniform. Uh, but now he's with the Rangers. He's trying to find the groove of things again. You do not want to see him continue his hitting success, carry on into this series against the Astros. Next up, I think Astros fans know about this guy. Um, seeing him play at Minimum Park, seeing him play at Globe Life Field, there's always a moment that he's either catching a, an important fly ball, making a great play, or hitting a home run to start a rally for the Rangers. And that is Mr. Adolis Garcia himself. I mean, this guy, I mean, I'm pretty sure Astros fans have called him an Astro killer. Uh, mm-hmm. Social media, he's done pretty well being that guy on social media being, you know, called the Astros killer. But his last seven games, he's hit under 150 with 11 strikeouts. That is the very positive thing about him right now. Uh, for the Astros, in nine games, he is hitting 205 batting average. He has eight hits, three home runs, 10 RBIs against the Astros. Yes, 205 batting average does sound pretty bad, but 10 RBIs and three home runs, that's pretty pretty good against a team like that. And then, like I said, this guy always comes up in a clutch situation and a huge situation in the game. He's a situational player that hits a clutch home run or makes a diving grab. I mean, this guy finds a way to be in those moments, and he usually does that with the Astros. Like I said, the game that they had played against the Minnesota Twins in that series finale, Adolis Garcia was the one to win that game with the walk-off home run. That gives a confidence booster, I'd say, in baseball, at least, you know, in my perspective. But at the same time, too, he's done pretty well against the Astros. Yes, the numbers say he has a bad batting average. But at the end of the day, if you could try to score some runs on the board, that's being 10 RBIs against the Astros. That's pretty good. So Adolis Garcia, I do not want to see him get hot. The last person I don't really want to see get hot either is Marcus Simeon. Simeon has played very well for the Rangers this season. Last year, it was not a good season for him, but this year he has changed gears um, against the Astros this year himself. He's hitting 410. His batting average is 410 with 16 hits, two home runs, and eight RBIs. If you remember in that scuffle against Framber Valdez, um, he was the one looking at him, rounding the bases, trying to get his attention, trying to break him down. And sure enough, he really did. Honestly, you know, looking at that game, Framber's mental, you know, the mental toughness with him was not there. I mean, he looked mentally drained, just didn't look like the Framber Valdez that he usually is. But he has a hit in eight of their last 10 games against the Houston Astros himself. So he's going to find a way to get on like like Jose Altuve. If Marcus Simeon gets going for the Rangers, that offense is going to follow. Just like Altuve, if he hits, the Astros offense is going to follow. So find a way not to get him going. In his last 15 games, he has been struggling at the plate. His slash line is 200, 278 on base percentage, and a 292 slugging percentage. He has 13 hits and 15 strikeouts. So the chase rate has been pretty high for him in these last couple of games. you got to find a way to get him out of his groove. Of course, like we've talked about it before, he did – 
tried to get into the Astros' head, and sure enough, he did get into Framber Valdez's head. Um, I'm pretty sure we'll, I mean, everybody's going to be really looking into this game and really into this series to see who breaks. If Marcus Emmy is going to be the one trying to get into their heads, the same thing as the Astros. If any Astros players are going to get into the Rangers' heads, the series overall is going to be a good one. Texas Rangers, Houston Astros, second and third. They're trying to find a way to stay in the hunt in the AOS. It's going to be very interesting to see. It's just, yeah, it's, it's, it's really well. It's really well to see if the Astros could take it over there at Arlington. Uh, maybe, maybe they do good. If they don't, you're looking at the guys probably going two or three games uh, behind from the Rangers and the Seattle Mariners. Um, if real quick, I could check for everybody who the Mariners will be playing in the next series to come. They will play the Cincinnati Reds which the Reds just lost the series against the Chicago Cubs, but the Reds themselves are trying to fight for a wild card spot in the National League. It's going to be interesting to see. We will have to see what happens uh, from this series against the Astros and Rangers. Of course, like I said, it's going to be a great one, but until then, continue to follow us at Full Steam Ahead on Twitter, especially on TikTok. Uh, subscribe to our new YouTube channel, um, FSA, Full Steam Ahead on Instagram. Threads, you already know we're still there. Of course, we're hanging in there. Um, podcast platform, Spotify, Google, Apple, wherever you get your podcast, continue to follow, download, and subscribe. Leave us a rate, leave us a review. Yes, this is my first time doing the show since I believe the winter meetings. That was the last time I did a solo show in a while, but hey, it was a great one. It was a great one hanging around with y'all. Thank you for everybody that tuned in and hanging out with me, especially because this is, like I said, this is my first time doing this since the winter meetings themselves. But Hopefully we have some positive things to come back around when we talk about Astros baseball um, in the recap against the Rangers. Then we'll get that preview going against the San Diego Padres, which is going to be a very important one because Padres hitters like Machado, Soto, and Tatis Jr., they've been hitting the ball pretty well for the Padres. So until then, thank you all for having the chance to listen to me. Y'all have a safe week. If y'all do make the drive to Arlington, be careful out there. Be safe on the road. I will give you all that recap. Till then, talk to y'all later.